I'm Morgan Rector, host of the Human Monsters True Crime Podcast. Do you find life boring within the comfort zone? This is the right show for you. It will test your endurance. The offenders profiled are among the most inhumane. These people specialize in the unthinkable. Human Monsters, available wherever you get your podcasts. We all love eating tasty food, and what's even better than that is when it's completely free. That's exactly what HelloFresh is giving away to you guys today. Free appetizers for the rest of your life. If you don't know, HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. I've been a long-time subscriber because not only do they make meal planning as simple as possible and essentially remove any trips I need to take to the grocery store, but they have the biggest menu out there with over 50 recipes to choose from every single week. I mean, it's summertime. We all want to spend more time relaxing in the sun and less time in the kitchen. Using HelloFresh, and they let you get back to enjoying pool and beach time with just a few clicks on your computer. Just choose your meals, select a delivery date, and HelloFresh delivers everything right to your door. And like I said, when you sign up today, you'll unlock free appetizers for life. Go to HelloFresh.com slash AndrewApps for free appetizers for life. One appetizer item per box while subscription is active. That's free appetizers for life at HelloFresh.com slash AndrewApps. Every town has a dark side. This is Andrew Fitzgerald from the Every Town Podcast, where every single week we dive into insane and mysterious true crime stories, most of which you've never heard of. Stories like the bizarre disappearance of Tyler Davis in Columbus, Ohio. A 29-year-old father trying to find his way back to his hotel when he disappeared and was never heard from again. And Elizabeth Shelf from Lugoff, South Carolina, who was abducted from her driveway by a madman and taken to his underground bunker in the woods. And we give you all the details you're interested in hearing about without any fluff or fillers, because ain't nobody got time for that. We cover everything from psychopaths to poltergeists, so go check out the Everytown podcast, because every town no matter how nice it may seem, has a dark side. Welcome back for another episode of Twisted News, where we get you up to speed on some of the strangest stories currently happening all around the world. First up today, a very terrifying home invasion that police don't believe actually happened. And then a case down in Florida, where three family members were found deep down under the waters of Tampa Bay. Get ready for Scary Mysteries, Twisted News. Number one, the real-life Gone Girl case. At 11.30 a.m. on March 23rd of 2014, Aaron Quinn woke up on his downstairs couch at his home in Vallejo, California, with his legs and wrists taped together with duct tape. Groggy, he broke free and checked his emails before calling his brother, who was an FBI agent, and telling him about what had happened the night before. His brother instructed him to call 911 immediately, and so that's what he did. When the police arrived, they could tell that Aaron wasn't acting right and asked if he was on drugs, to which he told them, Yes, I was drugged last night by a masked intruder, and he kidnapped my girlfriend. The night before, Denise Huskins, who was his girlfriend, had come over with a pizza so that they could talk. 
They had been going through a rough patch and looking to work things out, and they planned to, so Denise ended up staying the night, but something traumatizing would happen before dawn. Aaron, as he would go on to tell the police, woke up in the middle of the night to some white flashes of light and a red dot running across the walls. Before he knew it, the man was standing in his bedroom, dressed head to toe in a wetsuit with a mask on. He told the couple, Get up. This is a robbery. We're not going to hurt you. The intruder proceeded to have the pair zip-tie themselves, their feet, and then wrists before shoving them into the confines of their own closet. The man then put goggles over their faces, which had been covered in duct tape so they couldn't see, the headphones and then placed over their ears, and a recorded message played which explained that they would be given a sedative now, and if they didn't take it, it would be administered intravenously. The message also mentioned Quinn by name, and he was a target for sure. After that, Aaron was told that his girlfriend was going to be taken for 48 hours, and in that time, Aaron was going to have to complete a set of tasks in order to get her back. He would be given an email address to use, and that he should call out sick from work while he handled the business at hand. At that point, Aaron was brought downstairs and duct tape before being placed on the couch. He was given a blanket and told that the camera that had been placed down there would be watching him and that he was not to leave so they could see his every move. The man then left with Denise in the trunk of Aaron's car. Before Aaron could do anything else, the sedative kicked in and he eventually passed out. When he woke up, he panicked called his brother, and then called the cops. For the police, this sounded implausible, and so from the jump, Aaron was suspect number one. The authorities figured he had killed his girlfriend and then made up this entire story. Aaron would be interrogated, and the detectives clearly didn't believe him, but then, two days later and 400 miles away in Huntington Beach, California, Denise showed up close to her mom's house. She had been dropped off by the kidnapper and would go on to tell the exact same story as Aaron with the added fact that she had been assaulted by the kidnapper. As a result, the couple's plight drew eerie parallels to the fictional narrative of Gone Girl, leading to the media dubbing it the Gone Girl Kidnapping. This comparison only fueled public doubt and sensationalism, overshadowing the grim reality of their situation. The media and police had made up their minds, and now everyone thought these two were some kind of con artists. And that's a look that doesn't wear off in the eyes of co-workers, friends, and families easily. Their ordeal only began to find closure three months later. In a separate investigation, police uncovered evidence linking a former Marine and disbarred attorney named Matthew Mueller to the crimes against Denise and Aaron. Mueller's apprehension and subsequent confession to the kidnapping brought a semblance of justice, and he was then sentenced to 40 years in prison. Yet even with the perpetrator behind bars, the couple's trials were far from over, and they faced not just the daunting task of rebuilding their lives, but also battling the stigma that had been unfairly cast upon them. Their professions, grounded in trust and care, were jeopardized by the shadows of doubt that lingered in the public's mind. 
The digital age, with its indelible memory, became a constant reminder of the misconceptions they had to endure. The couple's fight for vindication culminated in a lawsuit against the city of Vallejo, and their victory in 2018 resulting in a $2.5 million settlement is not just about financial compensation, but about reclaiming their narrative and their dignity. And they were telling the truth, and even though the story was strange, it was real, and their tale tells of the fragility of truth in the face of preconceived notions. It underscores the peril of confirmation bias, particularly in law enforcement, where the consequences of such tunnel vision can be devastating. As Aaron poignantly reflects, their story is not just about a bizarre kidnapping, but about the failure of those sworn to protect and serve to recognize the truth that lay before them. Number 2. Unmasking of Oba Chandler In the warmth of the Florida sun in June of 1989, the calm waters of Tampa Bay were shattered by a gruesome discovery. The bodies of 36-year-old Joan Rogers and her two teenage daughters, 17-year-old Michelle and 14-year-old Christy, floating lifelessly, their fate sealed by yellow ropes that had been tied to concrete blocks. The Rogers family, hailing from the quiet dairy farming community of Wilshire, Ohio, had headed out to Florida for a vacation that turned utterly tragic. Hal Rogers, the patriarch, had stayed behind to tend to the farm, unaware that his family's trip would end in unspeakable tragedy. As detectives dove into the investigation, the true brutal details emerged. The victims were found with their mouths taped shut, partially undressed from the waist down. The cause of death was asphyxiation, though whether it was by drowning or strangulation was unclear. The absence of definitive evidence clouded the possibility of an assault on the women, as it appeared they had been in the waters for somewhere between 50 to 60 hours. There were only but a few haunting clues. The family's deserted car near the boat ramp, and inside it, a handwritten note that they would go on to discover did not match any of the handwriting of the three girls. The writing was directions to the boat ramp and to be on the lookout for a white and blue boat. So, could the person who committed the crime have actually written it? Days passed before the women could even be identified. It came from a housekeeper at the Days Inn where the family was staying. When she saw the gruesome news on the TV, connected the disappearance to their unreturned hotel room. Suspicions briefly turned towards Joan's brother, John, who had his own problems with the law and a past of abusing one of the daughters, but his incarceration during the time of the murders cleared him of any involvement. The breakthrough in the case would come around three months later in October, when a Canadian tourist came forward with a chilling account of being assaulted on a boat with a man in the same bay just a month before the three women were found. This man had invited the girl out on a sunset cruise on his boat. Once out there, he got aggressive when she refused his advances, and he specifically threatened to tape her mouth shut and throw her overboard. Detectives tirelessly pursued this new lead, releasing a detailed composite sketch of the man, but 
Nothing viable would come from it. Then in 1992, the authorities tried something new and unique, posting a handwritten note on billboards all across Florida asking if anyone recognized it. And sure enough, somebody did. A citizen recognized the handwriting from a contract he had with an aluminum siding company, and it led investigators to Oba Chandler. Chandler, a figure with a checkered past marked by arrests and allegations of violent crimes, soon became the focus of a relentless pursuit. He owned the siding company, and his arrest was ultimately not just a moment of vindication for the detectives, but also a descent into the darker chapters of his life. His criminal history painted a portrait of a man long familiar with evading law enforcement. At his trial, Chandler's stance was unwavering. A proclamation of innocence, despite overwhelming evidence to the contrary, including phone records placing him at the scene of the crime. His conviction for the murders brought a semblance of closure, but Chandler's story didn't end there. In a twist of fate, years after his execution, which happened in 2011, Chandler's shadow extended to another cold case, the murder of Evelise Bergeries. DNA evidence posthumously linked him to this additional heinous crime, adding another layer of horror to his legacy. His final note before being executed was a proclamation of innocence stating, You are killing an innocent man today. It stands in stark contrast to the overwhelming evidence against him, leaving a couple of major lingering questions. How many more secrets did Oba Chandler take to his grave, and will they ever be solved? So there were two of the strangest stories that we have for you guys today. If you enjoyed it and you want more content from us or just want to show some support, please go check out our Patreon page. We have an entire library for you to check out, and you can sign up totally for free. Thanks to everyone who already supports us. It means a lot. And stay safe out there, guys. I'll see you soon. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.